We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into another edition of Mind on My Money presented by Argent Wealth. I am Neil McCready, joined by uh, Martin Palomo there in Ridgeland, Mississippi at Argent. I'm going to talk about a couple of things today. There's a headline today in the uh, Wall Street Journal that is really interesting. It's what recession uh, growth ended up accelerating in 2023, which is uh, probably very good news for the Biden administration as they uh, embark on what is quickly shaping up to be the longest primary uh, general election in American history. Uh, we'll talk about the results from New Hampshire, where Donald Trump has won Iowa and New Hampshire. There's another story in the Wall Street Journal we'll dive into a little bit about a lot of Trump's detractors had uh, hoped that his legal woes would uh, catch up to him before uh, election day, and it looks more and more like that might not happen. So we'll talk about those things and more here on the show. I'll tell you real quick, I'm brought to you um Coming to you from the Clark Ford Studios, Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi, 662-257-1900. Call that number, ask for Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for. He'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours, right to the bottom line. No hassle, no haggle. You get your quote. The rest is up to you. Um, and uh, Martin, before we get rolling, tell the people how they can get in touch with you guys and what's going on there at Argent. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah man. Um, glad to be back. Happy Thursday uh to to you and to all of our listeners too um man it is uh it's kind of wild right now here and i'm super super grateful for uh you know our listeners too man there are i don't know if it's uh folks just kind of it's this time of year where people really start thinking about you know hey am i on track or whatnot but we've actually heard uh a lot from from listeners in the last um couple of months and especially since the first of the year um, you know, people reaching out saying, Hey, you know, we'd love to, I'd love to connect and see if I'm a good fit. Um, so man, I'm, I'm, I'm really, really appreciative of, of people's, uh, confidence in us. And I guess folks that have been listening for years kind of, you know, hear, uh, hear very similar, similar things. We're really consistent. Uh, we try to, you know, be wear it on our sleeves. What you see is what you get. I'm not trying to fool anybody into what we are or what we do. And, um, uh, but anyway, if, uh, if you're listening and you've been listening to, you know, to us, even if it's been a short while or if you've been listening for a long while and uh, you, you've got your investments in line, but you're saying like, hey, I'm not sure if I'm solid on my plan, um, you know, give us a call 
957-9570323. Um, most folks uh, do reach out to us uh, through email, which uh, the email for us is info at my argent, A-R-G-E-N-T wealth. Uh, but I think a lot of you guys are, are going on our website, uh, smart folks, and uh, my email address is on our website. And most of y'all are just hitting me direct, which is, which is, which is fine too. So uh, anyway, man, we appreciate everyone listening and, and having some confidence in what we do and glad folks are getting some value out of the show. All right. So let's, uh, let's dive into this. Yeah, and, let's uh, do it. I'm always blown away. People, one of my competitors is breaking news about an Ole Miss commitment uh, 44 minutes ago that I wrote, literally wrote this story at two o'clock yesterday. Um, okay, whatever. <laughs> you just break it before everybody. You're breaking bad, man, or breaking good. We must be really way ahead. Uh, yeah. okay. Everyone else is just, everyone else is competing for second and third place, man. So again, this is What Recession Growth Ended Up Accelerating in 2023. It's written by Gabriel T. Rubin. Um, it says the U.S. economy grew 3.1% over the last year, defying projections of a recession as a resilient labor market supported strong consumer spending. The year was capped by a fourth quarter in which the economy grew at a 3.3% seasonally and inflation-adjusted annualized pace. As household outlays and government spending rose, the Commerce Department said Thursday. The quarterly reading was a slowdown from the summer's torrid 4.9% pace, but still a healthy rate. The 2023 figures stand in contrast to what economists expected a year ago when they saw a recession as very likely and expected anemic 0.2% growth for the year, measured fourth quarter to fourth quarter. Last year's gain was a sharp pickup from the comparable 0.7% advance in 2022. It's been a really strong year for economic growth, said James Knightley, chief internal economist at ING. The consumer was meant to roll over, and they didn't. The expansion is expected to continue in 2024, albeit at a slower, albeit at a significantly slower pace. The high, in, highly anticipated pivot from the Federal Reserve toward interest rate cuts could should support the economy this year, economists say. Moderating inflation and a still tight labor market have boosted consumer confidence levels, according to some surveys, but that buoyancy could be challenged by slower hiring and increased strain on Americans who have spent who have spent down pandemic era savings. So uh, there's a lot there. There's even more we could dive into, but I'll let you uh, kind of take it from there for a bit. What what are you what are your reactions to to those numbers and and those comments? Yeah, I'll uh, we'll we'll kind of digest uh, all that because it's all it, it there is there's a lot of information um, in there. However, I will say one of the things I'm going to toot our horn on for mine on my money is that um you know i never get caught up in the extremes or the or the overhyping of stuff because generally that's where folks end up in trouble and uh and and as an advisor i need to stay away from from um from exuberance or you know huge uh huge amount of of uh of depression and you know so last year when we were talking and we um i guess the the bold thing about what we do, you know, on the podcast is that, uh, 
you know, we make forecasts and, and it is, it is there forever. So I can't say like, Oh, you know, no, I didn't say that. And it's obviously someone can go back and go, well, no, Hey, on, on the March 5th edition of 2022, you said blah, 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 blah. But last year, you know, I held steadfast saying, Hey, I just, I don't see recession. I mean, I know that the pundits on TV are, you know, talking about it, talking about it. I just, it was really hard for me to make a case for, you know, this deep recession. And, you know, I, I do recall, I did say like, Hey, if we have one, I think it's going to be uh really mild, you know, uh, not a deep recession, a very shallow recession. No, I think you and, can take a victory lap here. You, you were very consistent. You, 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 a couple of times you're like, look, I don't think there's going to be one, but if there's one, it's not going to last very long. It's going to be short, but you didn't think there was going to be one. You, you, you nailed this one. I mean, yep. you, you do this you. stuff long enough, like podcasting where you predict football games or stuff, you're going to get some egregiously wrong. Well, and we have, I have, but you, you know, didn't I got get this the- one wrong. You were, you were in the minority. Listen, I mean, I'm gonna give you a lot of credit here. Um, There were some big time economics people who really understand money who understand the markets, who have a, a a very good grasp on it in much the same way that you do, who were very concerned that we were headed towards not just a recession, but perhaps a deep recession. Yeah. I just didn't see it, man. I didn't see the. I was trying to read the tea leaves and I just couldn't see it. And I, and I know there's a lot of factor. There's a lot of factors that go into the tea leaves. It's not just a, you know, Oh, Hey, there's one thing that is the, you know, the golden egg or the, you know, what's going to tip it in or tip it out. Um, there's a lot of things that factor in and some of them are, um, our best, best guesses, um, on, on what's going to happen. I just, I just couldn't see it from where I was sitting. Uh, and not to say that I will be right all the time, man, but I'll, I appreciate you giving me the, the attaboy and the victory lap. And, you know, there's things we've talked about on the podcast where I was wrong. Like I thought, you know, in at post COVID, that that inflation was going to abate once the supply chain came. Once the supply chain, gosh, words, uh, came back online. But man, that took a lot longer than I expected. And I knew our supply supply chain was uh, was real sensitive. But I just, man, I just didn't. I don't know that. I don't know if anyone realized how delicate the supply chain is. You know, and then until you shut the thing off and then try to restart it. Anywho. You know, I was wrong about inflation um, being as persistent as it was, but I will say I'll toot my horn on this one too. Um, once week, I kind of came to the accepted that I was that that was incorrect and I was wrong. We made adjustments in our client portfolios, um, and the adjustment was we knew the inflation that inflation had been sticky, so I, I knew that the Fed was going to have to raise interest rates to to try to unstick the inflation stuff, which is exactly what happened. Our clients did not experience the, from the bond side of the portfolio, the turmoil. Um, we had our hedges in, which also gave us a huge boost um, when when stocks were down in, in 22. And then this year, you know, or I say this year, last year, 2023, um, you know, our bond portfolio, the adjustments we made um, at the end of 21 worked beautifully last year our bond portfolio really outperformed and we were overweight stocks um in 23 which you know for our clients uh you know they outperformed because we had more stocks than our benchmark and those are some of the tactical 
you know, adjustments that we make when we're trying to read the tea leaves. But I'll say this, let's just say play devil's advocate here. Had I been wrong and we were overweight stocks, um, you know, and then the bond portfolio, let's say it had gone the opposite way that we hit this huge, we had this huge recession, uh, you know, I'd have been licking some wounds. Um, but that's, you know, we do, we're also able to pivot pretty quickly when we see things are, are not going to, are going to go different than what we anticipated. But so circle us back to this article and today. So yes, there was these huge forecasts of we were going to have recession last year. Um, our economy grew by 3.1%. Uh, the most, the, I mean, the biggest contributor to that obviously was government spending, which I think, you know, you had alluded to in the article. Um, but you know, the other, there are other two really big, um, pieces that, that, uh, that were a surprise or the surprise came from was consumer spending, um, on goods, not services, consumer spending on services were, you know, were the same as they were in 22, but we just bought more stuff as Americans last year, which, you know, helped the economy grow. Uh, and, you know, and I think that that probably will continue this year with, especially with interest rates look like the fed's going to cut. I bet you, we have, uh, you know, consumer spending and goods continuing to accelerate. I know the forecast for next year is like 1.1 or something like that for GDP, slightly less than, or I, they said significantly less. I mean, I guess, yes, if you're using percentages, it's two thirds less than 3.1, but also I will say this, they forecasted, uh, you know, uh, what was it, a 0 0.7 uh, for for GDP growth this year, and it was 3.1. So, kind of like the weatherman, you know, it's they'll get they'll get it right sort of some of the times, and and then the weather will do what the weather is going to do, and God has control over that, or or nature, Mother Nature has control over that, and and we can't read or 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 dictate to Mother Nature what's to be done. So I think kind of the same for. Uh, this year, I really don't see, you know, any headwinds in the fundamentals. Let me I'll caveat that in the fundamentals of the economy. I don't see any headwinds. If we get rate cuts from the Fed, man, that's just going to juice and boost um, our economy and output. The only thing that can derail um, this economy is some unexpected event that, you know, would be a World War Three or something like that, that, that we are not expecting that hits us and, you know, and kind of jolts us. Um, but truth be told, I mean, that's kind of the things that have jolted us. If you think about the last two markets that got crushed, which was 2020 COVID, you know, from February, February 15th to March, blah, 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 to March 23rd, man, my, it's hard for me to talk a little bit today. <laughs> um, you know, that was an event that we weren't, weren't expecting. And then, uh, you know, kind of, if you look at 22, what really tipped the, um, you know, obviously the Fed interest rate hikes were the big event, but what tipped us, the markets into turmoil was, you know, the Russia-Ukraine conflict that started very, very early in uh, 2022. So, you know, provided that we don't go to war, um, there's not a World War Three. you know, I think that the economy is just, is going to, is going to do do okay this year. Uh, I think markets will be okay. I think bonds and stocks will be, you know, will be reasonable 
this year. And, um, you know, and generally in, in presidential and election years, uh, we just don't have a ton of volatility, uh, in, you know, in the markets, uh, you know, 2016 being the only exception on election night. And then, and then stocks were off to the races for the next, you know, what, two, three years after that. So it'll be, I think, you know, the election, I know we say this all the time that it's going to be a big election year. I think it's going to be a big election year, man. And, and, uh, if Mr. Trump, our former president Trump is, is able to manufacture a victory, I kind of have to think that markets may just kind of take off again. Um, but I could be, you know, I may be eating those words in, uh, in 2025, but you know, the, the stars are aligning and it's setting up for, it's setting up for a pretty, uh, a pretty interesting race. And especially if we get, you know, more rate cuts, I think that's the biggest driver of, of the economic, economic performance and market performance this year. Yeah. So along those lines, continuing the story a little bit, um, the final three months of the year looked a lot like the soft landing Fed officials are seeking to achieve. Growth was strong. Employers added nearly a half million jobs. Inflation cooled to an annualized 1.7% below the Fed's 2% target. Fed officials are on track to hold rates steady at a 23-year high at a meeting next week, but have penciled in three rate cuts for 2024. Much of the credit for better-than-expected growth in the fourth quarter and all of last year goes to free-spending consumers who have not turned off the tap, fueling the labor market expansion even as pandemic-era prices price pressures faded as supply chains healed. Consumers spent more on health care, dining out, and cars in 2023. Spending on housing was flat on an inflation-adjusted basis over the prior year, reflecting a tough environment for home sales, but also stabilization. Private residential investment dropped 17% in 2022. Americans also picked up their spending abroad, especially in the fourth quarter when spending on international travel boosted imports. Growth measurements subtract imports from exports to calculate the contribution of international trade, a rise in petroleum exports, and a slowdown in overall imports supported growth last year. Confidence in the economy rose as wage growth exceeded price increases. Consumer sentiment surged 29% from November into uh, January, the biggest two-month increase since 1991, the University of Michigan said. Consumers expect inflation Consumers expect inflation to be much tamer than they thought only a few months ago. Uh, they say still there are some signs that spending and the whole economy won't be able to continue at such a rapid clip. Economists expecting consumer outlays to cool forecast growth to ease to 1% this year. Yep, which is all, I mean, it's funny that other than giving the number forecast, kind of what we uh, what we said, I think that there's going to be um, – you know, I think it's going to be an, an okay year. I don't, I don't expect us to have another, you know, twenty five percent increase in the S and P five hundred. I think bonds are going to perform better this year than they did last year, and bonds performed, you know, okay last year. They were negative for the first eleven months of the year, and then, you know, we had a a bit of a of a backup, um, you know, our increase in price and a decrease in 
in rates in November, which I think November was the bonds were up 5% in the month, which was the biggest month bonds have, you know, had historically. So I think, you know, I think next year or next year, gosh, man, I think this year is just going to kind of be a, you know, a normal, well, I shouldn't say normal, a typical, you know, year in the markets. I think, you know, stocks are going to be mid to upper single digits. Bonds will be, you know, mid to, you know, middle to mid high single digits. I think people are just going to make a little bit of money this year. You know, the only thing that could, I think really the only thing that could really boost that is if, if the fed ends up cutting by more, which in the article, you know, they, you said, uh, fed telegraphed three cuts. I think, I think they'll do, I think they'll do four. Um, I may be wrong on that. I think we'll get three. The market kind of priced in seven. I don't see that. Uh, I don't see seven cuts happening this year. I think if we say over the next two years, yep, that makes sense. And one of them may be a half a percent, like a 50 basis point um, cut versus the the 25. Although I kind of wish they would just rip the Band-Aid off and just say like, hey, we're going to cut rates by, you know, 1% this year. We're just going to do it all in one fell swoop and just be done with it versus bleed it out over the year. All right. So here's the other big story going on, and that is the presidential election, which we've talked about a lot. We'll continue yep. to talk about a lot because it's big uh headline in the wall street journal this is written by aruna viswanatha and sadie german headline trump rivals were hoping for a courtroom knockout time is running out the gop frontrunner has been helped more than harmed by the 91 charges he faces and the prospect of that changing is dwindling uh, dateline washington donald trump's political opponents had hoped his legal difficulties would torpedo his third run for the presidency. But a knockout blow before the election is looking increasingly unlikely. The former president, who looks poised to sew up the Republican presidential nomination after his win Tuesday in New Hampshire, is proving less vulnerable on the legal front than many of his critics predicted. His lawyers are having success maneuvering to delay any legal rec reckoning, and he has profited from good fortune in the two trials that pose his greatest political vulnerab vulnerability, those on his efforts to reverse the 2020 election loss. Thanks to a serendipitous challenge to a law he has been charged with breaking, the Supreme Court could water down Trump's federal election interference case in the coming months. Meanwhile, the parallel prosecution in Georgia faces, faces steeper odds after allegations the prosecutor leading it may have hired a paramour to run the trial. Man, only in America could we get these, these storylines. All the while, Trump has raised money on his legal battles, seeing his support grow as he depicts himself as a victim of partisan prosecution, prosecutors marshalling a crooked justice system to thwart his bid for a second term in the White House. Prosecutors have denied that claim. Anyway, this is interesting because... I'm always interested in the exit data that comes out of uh, the polling, exit polling data that comes out yeah. of, uh, of like know, a pri uh, primary. Yeah, primary stuff. and whatnot. Yeah. And in both Iowa and New Hampshire, two really different states. Yep. In Iowa, the, the, the caucuses are for Republicans only. Trump won by a ton. A ton. Yep. Uh, and then Tuesday in New Hampshire, where you can be a registered Democrat and fill out the paperwork to vote in the Republican primary, which is fine. A lot of people do. I always think it makes it interesting. 
Trump defeated Nikki Haley by 11 points. It was a significant win. Uh, what was interesting in both Iowa and New Hampshire, when people who voted for Trump were asked, when did you decide to vote for Trump? The most popular answer was when he was indicted. Um, which is interesting because if, if you believe Nikki Haley, and I do, by the way, uh, that Democrats from a, the presidential election I'm talking about here, I'm not talking about congressional races or Senate races, I'm talking about the presidency. Democrats believe, and I think they're right, that the most beatable opponent for Joe Biden is Donald Trump. Yet on the other hand, I think there are Democrats who believe that all of this legal stuff against Trump would hurt him. And more and more, as you look at exit polling data, it looks like it's helping him because people are somehow able to view Donald Trump, of all people, in a, as a somewhat sympathetic figure. And that is really helping the former president as he gears up for this run at, at Joe Biden, that is going to be a 240 day race basically, because if, if, if you believe that Haley is going to win the Republican nomination right now, you're going to have to really do some mental gymnastics to, to talk me through it. Yeah, Trump going to win. He's going to have this thing clinched pretty quickly. Haley is, if she stays in the race, and the, the South Carolina polling data is, is remotely accurate, and it probably is, she's going to lose her home state by 30 points or more. Yes, I thought it was about 30 points. And if that's the case, that's humiliating. She At that point, she's done. Um, yeah, the math really starts working against her, especially as we get into Super Tuesday. Yeah, and so we get to this race between Trump and Biden that we've talked about for a long time. And I think the Democrats had believed that this le the legal strain on Trump would hurt him in the general election. And I'm not any more sure that that's the case. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't, I think, and you and I kind of talked about this while it was happening too. It almost seemed like every time legal stuff came out and Trump was in the news, all it did was accelerate his, you know, his popularity um, amongst the voters. And I don't know if it's a, I'm, I am kind of, I am curious on, um, you know, on the why part of, you know, when people are saying like, hey, Cause it's like, it is hard to think of being sympathetic for, for a guy like Trump. So I am kind of curious on like, really what's the core why of, why are you getting, uh, you know, encouraged or, or ignited to vote for Trump based on the in- indictments. And I wonder if it's a, if you know it, it really is? is at the core that people are like, Hey, this is a, this is just a try a way to try to control and manipulate the election cycle. It's 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 it is a uh, it's the part that the Democrats are going to have to figure out. I really believe this because, listen, the economy being good is great news for Biden, for Biden. Absolutely. It's fantastic news for Biden. Right. Because he's going to get to say, hey, everyone said the economy was going to be flat. And look what I did. Yeah. Even though we know we know that no president really can take full credit for for the economy, even though. He's going to point at the Dow Jones Industrial Average, which, hey, here's the truth. Um, People like you, you guys look at a whole lot of stuff every day. That's your job. Yep. People like me who aren't in that world, I generally view the Dow Jones, if it's going good, I think to myself, whether I'm right or wrong, I do kind of think this way. Hey, that's good. Everything's good. My retirement's looking good. My, my 401k is looking good. If the Dow yep. Jones is green, I'm like, yeah, it's awesome. If it's red, I'm like, oh shit. Um, that's the general deal. Now, is that yep. way too simple? Sure. It, is that ignorant somewhat on my part? Probably. Do I represent probably a majority viewpoint as it pertains to people who aren't in the financial sector every day? I think so, Martin. So yeah, I think you're right. So for for Biden, the Dow Jones racing past 37,000 or whatever it was, and, and it's so green, and it's great news for him. Yep. Um, but I, and I think his campaign, if if I'm, I'm going to play devil's advocate here for, for a pro-Biden message, I th- think of his campaign, which I think those are all really smart people. I don't think anyone who's running – Political campaigns, no matter what side of the aisle you're on, is is stupid. Those are those are very intelligent people, um, you know that are that are behind <clears throat> behind the scenes doing this. They're strategists. Yeah, they're going to say what needs to be said to get the best result out of it. Yeah. And if I'm Biden's campaign, I'm saying, hey, look, look, judge me on what I what what I've been able to do, you know, most recently, which is, you know, uh, markets are up, uh, inflation is down. The economic output was, you know, and I would even probably break this into percentages instead of saying, hey, it was supposed to be 0.7, but it's really, you know, 3.1%. I would say 
you know, we grew the economy 400 times more than what the economists said we were going to be able to, even though it's really only, you know, what 3.1 minus 0.7 is what 2.2.4, uh, um, you know, percent, but you can say they could say in percentage 400% more than what was forecasted. And they're not lying. I mean, they're certainly, uh, using numbers to tell a story that sounds bigger than it actually is. But if I'm the Biden campaign, that's what I'm, that's what I'm driving home. And I'm going to drive home that, Hey, you know, I know gasoline was high when I first took in, you know, came into office and, you know, now gasoline is normalized. And I think I would get away from the whole talking about the, you know, electric car stuff and really talk about what, what's going to resonate for the average you know, American that is, you know, we that got hit when inflation was really high. I think I would really talk about, hey, inflation, you know, for the last quarter was at 1.7% below, you know, 0.4% less than the Federal Reserve's target. Look what I've done. Those are the things I would be talking about if I was Biden. And I would get away from talking about MAGA because I really think that, that 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 doesn't do him any good talking about the MAGA crowd. Um, I would, I would just start talking numbers and, and that's what I would do if I was Biden's campaign and make it not about Trump, but about Biden. When Biden insults the MAGA people and, and, and basically says that half of the country, because look, if you believe the the polls, if you believe the, the, the election results from 2020, Biden got the most votes ever. And Trump got the second most votes ever. Ever, yeah. Trump got 74, 75 million votes. Yep. You can't turn around and go, all you 74, 75 million Americans who voted for this guy, you're all bad. That's, that's stupid. Yep. Uh, anyway, here's back to the story for a minute. Yep. Um, Everything has broken his way in connection with feeding his political narrative of being a victim, says Ty Cobb, a now critical former Trump lawyer. He's had some very lucky breaks. Trump spokesman Stephen Chung said the former president's campaign trail success is a sign that some voters view the prosecutions as politically motivated, adding that Trump would win the election in, quote, dominating fashion. A spokesman for the federal special counsel, Jack Smith, declined to comment, and a spokesman for Fulton County, Georgia, District Attorney Fannie Willis didn't respond for, to a request for comment. A conviction could still pose general election problems for Trump. An exit poll published by CNN found that 42% of New Hampshire Republican primary voters, who include a sizable number of independents, said Trump would be unfit to serve if convicted. A Wall Street Journal poll in December found Trump leading Biden by four points, but Biden winning by one point if Trump had a federal conviction. Trump was charged late last year in four separate criminal cases, totaling 91 criminal counts. Two, case, two cases relate to his efforts to overturn the 2020 election loss, including one from local prosecution prosecutors in Georgia and one from Smith, the federal special counsel. Another case from Smith charged Trump with improperly retaining classified documents after leaving office, and a fourth came from local prosecutors in New York over his hush money payment to Stormy Daniels during the 2016 election. Trump's opponents long cast that legal obstacle course as possibly fatal to his 2024 prospects. 
The problem for Donald Trump in all of this is his own conduct. He's his own worst enemy. Former New Jersey Governor George, uh, Chris Christie said after Trump's first in federal indictment last year, at least for primary voters, that argument has fallen on fallow ground. This month, Christie dropped out of the GOP presidential nomination race with his campaign stalled. Meanwhile, Trump's supporters rallied around the former president's accusations of an organized witch hunt, as did most of his primary rivals, keen not to alienate his devoted fan base. Even his one remaining Republican rival, Nikki Haley, has only obliquely referred to Trump's legal jeopardy, calling him an agent of Republican chaos. So it's it's really interesting to me that the Democrats had so long thought that that the, the legal thing would shut him down. And now, as we approach February, it doesn't appear that any of these cases are really going to even get close to done by November. And if that's the it. case, if that's the case, if they can't get if they can't get a, a, a conviction between now and November, this really runs the risk of backfiring on him because look, the mistake that they made was allowing the guy in New York to do the Stormy Daniels thing. Because most people look at that and go, I don't know, that's kind of whatever. And then the, the the case in New York about his, his properties where you have real estate people going, hey, everybody does that. Everybody does that. Everybody overvalues their properties for uh, you know, to get a, an appraisal or whatnot. Literally everyone does it. And so now you have the deal in Georgia with Fannie Willis, where she's obviously politically motivated. And now she's in a ton of legal hot water of her own based on the affair she had, uh, the, 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 the tax dollars that were spent by, you know, her lover to take her to Australia and all these other places where it's like, okay, well, even if Trump's corrupt now, you're corrupt too. How can you prosecute him? There's just there's just a lot of obstacles that are working against the people trying to convict Trump. And it all does start to make it look like a witch hunt. Whether it is or isn't, it starts to look like one. Perceptions become reality. And you have this segment of America that is still pissed off about the pandemic, the lies that were told about the vaccine, the lies that were told about the need for lockdowns and all of that stuff. And here we are with this wildly unpopular president running against another president who's still very unpopular as well. They're both 80, basically. And you've got a wildly unpopular vice president and Trump yet to make his decision on, on what who he puts on his ticket to presumably run against Kamala Harris. And it's crazy. It's just, it's, it's a really interesting election where a lot of stuff has been done. And I think the, a lot of the democratic talking points have begun to backfire against them. And it, to, I'm, I'm being really long-winded here. I'll stop. No, you're good. What's interesting to me is Two things. One, had Trump not acted like an idiot in the weeks following the November 2020 election, I think he'd be, he'd basically have the White House clinched right now. Uh, 
And if on the flip side, if the Democrats had not gone after Trump legally, if right now they were just running against him going, this guy still won't accept the loss that he got. And oh, by the way, look at the economy. I think Biden would be in much better shape than he is. But when it does look like a political witch hunt, and it absolutely does, and you have a president that's just not very popular, and he's 80, he'll be 86 at the end of a, of a second term, and his running mate is one of the most unpopular people in American public history, they've, in many ways, they have paved a much cleaner path for Donald Trump to win in November than he otherwise would have had. Yeah. And the, 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 the other, the other piece that I'll say that Trump has going for him. And, and I know we, we briefly touched on this, the, the last time that we talked was, you know, a lot of, at least from the interviews that I've seen, you know, um, around social media, I have not seen them on any of the major news networks, you know, where people who, uh, voted for Biden last, last time, uh, in the last election in 2020 are saying like, Hey, uh, you know, I'm not any better off. Just like the, just like what you've said the whole time that we've the all the years we've been talking about politics and, and elections that, you know, where you said people vote with their pocketbooks. Um, you know, just until recently, their pocketbooks have been in kind of bad shape. Um, you know, and people saying like, Hey, he hasn't done anything for, you know, for, for me. So I will take the, the bully that's going to keep me safe. And, you know, another thing they talk about, which we haven't even, we haven't even talked about foreign policy as it relates to the election cycle. Um, you know, talking about how they felt like they were safe when Trump was in office because there was no one. There were no one, no one was bullying us. No one was trying to pick wars with, with the U S uh, they felt like they were safe, you know, and I think, and those were younger, those were younger voters as well. Um, and I did watch, this is kind of an ADD, um, side note down a rabbit hole. I did watch, um, I was just out I was just curious. So New Hampshire night after, I mean, and they called New Hampshire like pretty quick for, for Trump. But after um after the they had called it for Trump, I was just watching NBC News, not you know, not MSNBC, not, you know, CNBC, just NBC News just to see what, you know, what and I kind of flipped back and forth between a couple channels, although I didn't watch any Fox, um, any Fox News. Just to see like how they were what their what their what their communications were, what their talking points were. And um they had, it was this, and it was, I don't know, this guy, this news anchor was probably, I'm just going to guess he's probably in his forties, um, maybe early fifties, you know, out and he was either in, um, you know, Manchester, uh, interviewing people on the, you know, on the streets or, or, um, you know, in, in the campaign or in the celebration rooms and man, he picked, he chose this little old lady. I mean, I, and I don't know her, her age. I'm going to, but I'm going to, put her in her late seventies, early eighties. And, um, you know, he was kind of stoking her on, you know, Hey, why did you, why did you, uh, why did who'd you vote for? She said, I voted for Trump. You know, why did you vote for Trump? And, uh, you know, and, and she dove into the, 
you know, cause, cause he's the only, you know, candidate that is authentic. All of the news and the media people are lying about Trump and, and he point, he puts her on the spot and he's like, okay, well, he's like, just entertain me. What exactly is, you know, has the media lied about on Trump and, and he, and, you know, and she started responding and it was the, you know, some of the things that you've, you know, that, that we're, we're accustomed to hearing, um, about things that are, that people, that the media has been quote unquote lying about for Trump. And I mean, and he didn't even let her talk. He was really just very defensive and jumping in and saying, well, that's not true. And that's not true. And, uh, and he, and she did say something about, you know, well, the economy was better under Trump. And then he jumped in saying, you know, talking about the economy this year. Um, and it was just kind of funny watching the, the NBC side. It's like they, the anchor really wasn't interested in hearing what she had to say. He was just more interested in, in defending and combating, um, you know, all the things. And, and she was a little old lady and, uh, and he got her tripped up and tongue tied. And it was funny, her reaction is she reached her hand up right to his cheek. And she's like, I think she said something like, if you were my child or my grandchild, I would, I would smack your little cheek. Cause he, he was kind of being a little bit disrespectful, you know, to her, but it's, the it was the yeah you know, we're getting these very very biased messages from whichever news outlet you're listening to whether it's the left or or oh, the right it's, and it's amazing yeah and it's just like man and I know that you and I are on the same page about this but I just now I have to I want to read my news from the journal from the Wall Street Journal uh, I used to read Financial Times uh, they're based out of London I used to read the Economist uh, which I think it's also based out of London and they were pretty um, like just facts oriented until COVID happened. And then it, they started getting, you know, slanted to, to one side. And I just, man, I just wish that we had the ability to have unfettered, unadulterated, clean facts and data and let people make decisions, but it's hard. It doesn't matter whether it's Fox or MSNBC are going to, are going to bend whatever they want to match their agenda. And I mean, it's, it's, I tell my kids, I'm like, man, you have to sift through and filter all of the crap that's in there too, to try to get to the nuggets. And man, that's why I try to listen to both too, and try to figure out what, you know, what's in the middle when I am listening, but really I'm only listening on election night. Cause I don't care what they say, um, you know, during the, during the week, it's, it just exhausts me listening to it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's one of the real fascinating things to watch the coverage of this and, you know, the other night, both CNN and MSNBC broke away from Trump's speech. And, uh, you know, they said it's because it's, it's, he's, he's, he's not telling the truth. And it's like, okay, are we really, is that really the standard? And, and it, I don't know, it's gonna, we've talked about this a lot. It's going to be a fascinating year. You've got a hard stop coming up. I do too. So uh, we'll, we'll wrap it there. We'll, we got plenty of time to talk about this. Oh Yeah. Because I mean, dude, we didn't even talk about Vivek or Tim Scott, and and maybe we after South Carolina we can, um, we can chat about. I'm I'm very interested to see what's going to happen with Tim Scott. Uh, I, he was and I he was one of my guys I liked on the front. I still like Tim Scott. He was my guy on the front end. Um, I'm just very interested to see. I think he's on the short list of of potential running mates. Uh, I I do I think he's on a. I think he's on the short list. I think there's some other interesting names. And look, Trump was asked the other day about DeSantis as a running mate, and he did not deny it. He did not go, oh, no, no, no. He just said, I'm not ready to talk about all that yet. So Yeah, because he's got some he's got some tough decisions. I mean, and look, 
I don't know that Vivek will be a running mate at all. Um, maybe Vivek is a 2028 um, third-party kid. I don't know, man. I think the – and I know we've we've teased it. We can talk about it another time. But 2028 potential emergence of a, of a, of a, of a, of a third-party, whether it's RFK – junior oh, yeah. or maybe a Vivek oh, yeah. would be a very interesting yeah um, i mean i would love a healthy three-party system uh for for elections i think it well, would look, make I mean, things be, a lot very interesting well let's be real here we'll wrap with this if the republicans lose if trump loses in 2024 and uh trump's loss also means that the republicans lose the house and lose the senate there's a real chance that uh, that's the end of the Republican Party. That there's an opening for a, for a new party because that would prove that that Trump that would be you know they that would be Trump losing in 2020, losing basically in 2022, and then losing again in 2024, and 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 there are usually ramifications for that many losses. So it's it's really interesting on a number of ways. But again, you've got to get out. So uh, I do. I appreciate we you, will, uh, We will wrap it there. That does it for this edition of Mind on My Money, presented by Argent Wealth. It's myargentwealth.com, M-Y-A-R-G-E-N-T, wealth.com. We'll be back uh, hopefully next week with another edition yeah. of the show. Until then, for Martin Palomo, I'm Neil McCready. Take care. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.